0: I want to turn this evening to the book of Amos. The first thing you say, Ah, where is the book of Amos? (laughs) Well, it's near the end of the Old Testament. And if you're not sure of it, look up the index and find it. You get Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. And if you go to Jonah, you're too far. So you have Amos in there, Amos, and it's chapter 8. Amos chapter 8, and we're reading the first 10 verses. Amos chapter 8, verses 1 to 10. Thus hath the Lord showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. They said, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, the end is come upon my people of Israel. I will not again pass by them any more. And the song's Of the temple shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies in every place, they shall cast them forth with silence. Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to feel, saying, When will the new moon be gone, that we may sell corn, and the Sabbath, that we may set forth wheat? Making the ephah small. And the shackle great And falsifying the balances by deceit That we may buy the poor for silver And the needy for a pair of shoes Yea and sell the refuse of the wheat The Lord has sworn by the excellency of Jacob Surely I will never forget any of their works Shall not the land tremble for this And every one mourn that dwelleth therein And it shall rise up holy as a flood And it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. And I will turn your feasts into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation, and I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins, and baldness upon every head, and I will make it as the mourning of an only son, And they end thereof as a bitter day. Dear Lord, bless thy word to our hearts this evening. We need thee to draw near, Lord. Oh, we rejoice in what a saviour we have tonight. Draw near and speak to hearts, both here in a little service and on the internet. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1 says, I saw, uh, verse 1, chapter 8, verse 1, Thus hath the Lord showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. When we come to study the word of God, sometimes it reminds us of a mu- musical orchestra. The orchestra, various wind instruments, the same breath, but different tunes, different music and here we have the Word of God and we have all the different writers, but the Spirit of God is breathing through the different writers. Different individuals, sounds, different individuals guided. The scriptures of the... We have Daniel's wisdom. Daniel's great prophetic insight, his wisdom but all the future. Jonah, my, he wrote so different compared to Daniel, didn't he? Isaiah, He had such a great view of the Lord Jesus Christ and everyone in their own style. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. We come to Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and modernists would try try to say these men contradict each other, but not at all. They saw things individually. Matthew saw the Lord Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews, didn't he? Matthew, Mark, he saw the Lord Jesus Christ as the servant. Who comes next? Matthew, Mark. Luke comes next, isn't that right? What did Luke see? Luke saw the Lord Jesus Christ very much as the son of man. And then we come to the great book of John, and he says, truly, he was the son of God. And there's no contradictions. The contradictions are not in the book. The contradictions is with us because we just don't see enough and understand enough. But we come to the book of Amos here, this lovely little book. And Amos is a different writer from all the rest because he says he was a herdsman. Chapter 7 and verse 14. Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was an herdman and the gatherer of sycamore fruit. He said, I'm not from a prophet's family. I'm not a prophet. He said, herdsman, what was he? Cattle, sheep, animals up in the mountains, sycamore fruit. That was a a kind of a, a fruit that they would have to prepare for ripening. He speaks down this, this book here of uh, various places about farming. Farmers would understand the book of Amos. Chapter two says he was a cart pressed that is full of sheaves. A cart. He could see the carts coming in full of sheaves, pressed down, weighing down into the mud. Chapter 4 speaks of the kine. Or cows, the milking cows. Chapter 5, he speaks there, he says you can flee from a lion and a bear, uh, and a bear meets him. He sees lions, he sees bears, he sees sheep, he sees serpents, he talks about the mowing of the grass, he talks here about the gathering of sycamore fruit. He's preaching in this, Book of Amos, he's giving his prophecy. He was a true prophet. His signs came through. Spoke against Gaza, Syria, Tyrus, Edom, Ammon, Moab. Comes to chapter 8 and he looks at this basket of summer fruit. Israel is likened to a basket of summer fruit. Sycamore fruit. I, I believe without a doubt that the Lord takes men like Amos and he gives them messages that they understood I have to smile to myself because some of the preachers nowadays you couldn't understand them because they don't understand what they're talking about themselves if I was to ask a farmer how to milk a cow now I don't know how to milk a cow I know you don't pump its tail up and down that's about all I know I don't know how to milk a cow, but if I asked a farmer who's spent thirty years milking cows, man he could explain it so easy to me because he knows it inside out how to do it, the type of cow and all the rest of it, how many liters and the all the diseases and all. Here we have Amos and he knows what he's talking about, let me friend. Yeah, this sycamore fruit it would ripen but it had to be handled carefully. What was it? It was a type of fig. And as it was growing on the trees, they would take like a metal comb, an iron comb, and they would handle the fruit gently, but they would bruise the fruit. If a fruit wasn't bruised, it wouldn't ripen properly. It would never sweeten. And so they would take this and they would wound it and bruise it to sweeten it. I believe without a doubt, here's Amos, and he sees this basket of summer sycamore fruit in accordance with his work, that he could explain properly the prophecy and the judgment of God that was coming upon Israel. He could see it, he could understand his message. The summer fruit had to be carefully prepared. That's one thing we notice. It had to be delicately delicately handled. Amos, though he was a herdsman, he must have had delicate hands. He didn't rip the fruit, he didn't tear the fruit. He gently took it in his hands and he would bruise it. Not only would he uh, prepare it by the bruising, but they would protect the fruit. The ways of putting nets and all types of things. And he would keep the animals away from the fruit and so forth. It would be protected. And then when the time came, it would be picked very carefully and placed in the baskets, summer fruit. After it was picked, there was a short time when it would be eaten or used, whatever way they prepared it. If they didn't handle it properly, if they didn't protect it and pick it carefully, it would rot some of it wouldn't sweeten some of it wouldn't ripen it, it would rot I read that some years ago in America here they had a great crop of peaches and they ripened too early too quickly and they drew the peaches into the towns but sadly to say that they draw many of them back again there was such a crop of peaches and some of them were rotten and they went back to fertilize the ground it's interesting about fruit Some time ago, my daughter, yeah, last year, year before, she had a pear tree and lovely big pears. And I I said, Emma, what are you doing with these pears? Oh, she says, they're as hard as stones. They're no good. I said, can I have them? Yeah, take them away and eat them. (laughs) You have an upset tummy if you want. So I took the pears home, and we didn't eat them. I mightn't have much upstairs, but I knew not to eat an unripe pear. (laughs) And so I took them and wrapped them up in some newspaper and I put them in a basket and put them away. Sometime later I opened them up and there they were, lovely and ripe and fresh. Bananas, they ripen in the dark. We were in Uganda and we got this huge bunch of bananas and we didn't, we sat them in the window, we set them in the sunlight, we turned them over, we did everything, but they wouldn't ripen. Then somebody says, you should put them in the dark. Some people ripen in the dark, some ripen in the sun sunshine, some need to be bruised before they ripen. But God's purposes always ripen. That's the first little thought we have. I saw, I, I saw a, a basket of summer fruit. What do you see, Amos? A basket. God's purposes are like a basket of summer fruit and they will ripen. We've talked about this before. An all-wise, all-seeing, all-knowing God, all-powerful. When God makes his plans out, he has the power to fulfill his plans. Now, you and I can't do that. We have plans for this week and everything could change so quickly. The God who had the wisdom of creation, wonderful creation, by the way, how the scientists try to tell us that there's no designer behind creation. I don't know how it works. You go out to the door there and you see, well, that's a Ford and that's a Chrysler and that there, that's a Toyota. And they've all got names because someone designed them and made them. You say, I wonder what time it is. Ah, there's a name in your watch. Rotary, Swiss, made... And all those things are designed, and all those things are carried out. And we're happy to accept the designer. And then they say, look at the sunset. All oh, that wasn't designed. God didn't do that. There's no God. Friend, there is a God. The great creator of all things, and his purposes will ripen. His purposes in redemption right? And we talked this morning about Christ's coming, his birth, his life, his righteousness, his sinless life. The court case, the mockery, the beatings, the crucifixion. Pontius Pilate in his place to fulfill his role. Herod, Judas. Redemption ripened according to the perfect plan of God. The second coming. Yeah, we talked about this morning around the table. The second coming will ripen according to the perfect plan of God. Not to what someone writes in a book, (laughs) because it's future. There's a veil across that we can't see, but God sees. Why does the Lord tarry? Well, he's waiting for the church to be finished. Why does he delay his coming? He's waiting for the last sinner to be saved. He's waiting for the last hymn to be sung. He's waiting for the last politician to be put in. Did you say politician? Yes. Putting the last politician in place. Ripening the world. Mount of Olives is waiting for the coming of Christ. What a day that will be. When the Lord Jesus Christ steps out of the sky onto the Mount of Olives. Yeah when the world is ripe it says creation groans for the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ then when the Lord comes he says to the angels go and reap go and reap it's interesting what he told the angels to do he said gather up the tares first for burning then gather the wheat and the corn and the barley the precious seed into my house yeah the purposes of God ripen the nations of the world will ripen oh yes Babylon has rip- has been ripe and has reaped Medes and Persians, Greeks, Rome ten toes that'll be difficult modern empires they're ripening what are they ripening for they're ripening for the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ Donald Trump better watch what I say (laughs) Donald Trump I I don't know all the details but I do know he's part of the ripening plan of God in the nations Boris Johnson yeah he's part of the final solution as we would call it of all nations Veradka in Ireland he's there we go to Africa and we look there. Uh, Uganda, and we see. I mean, we see. Abote has been there, and is there. It's interesting to notice that just last week that Uganda are putting their ambassador's house in Jerusalem now—a sign that Jerusalem's going to be lifted up as a nation and as a city. God's carefully handling. Yeah, I said carefully handling the nations. The nations are but as if a drop of a bucket. He's carefully handling all the nations. What for? In preparation for the... Oh, there's going to be Armageddon. Yes, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Yes, there's going to be the north and the south, and they're all going to come here, there, and all the rest of it. Jerusalem's going to go through a time of problems and difficulties. And ah, but, friend, look up. It doesn't say sit and investigate the great details of Armageddon. It doesn't say sit and investigate all the details of when the north comes down to attack the... It says when you see these things come to pass, get depressed and worried. And, <laughs> no, when you see these things come to pass, look up for your redemption draws nigh. The nations have been carefully handled. God is preparing the world for the second coming Israel's ripening quickly yeah talks there about Israel in the next verses of how they had sinned talks about them saying that they wanted the Sabbath day over as quickly as possible that they may sell corn that they might make the ephah small that they might cheat you on your weight that they might sell the refuge of the wheat. They said, Israel's sin will be judged. We've seen that, haven't we? We've seen the handling of God in the land of Israel. The person said, if you want to know anything about the second coming, look at Israel. We've seen God take Israel gently and scatter them across the world, way up as far as Siberia and Russia, little groups, way down into the middle of Africa, Operation Moses some years ago that brought the Africans out Jewish Africans out of the land of Africa back up into Israel Russians coming home so many Russians have come home to Israel that they've had to put the road signs in Russian language that they might find their way around Israel they're scattering yes but oh friend their acceptance they're drawing in again they were scattered yes because of their sin they were scattered yes because of rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour but he said he would draw them back again chapter 9 verse 9 it says for lo I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations like as corn is sifted in a sieve yet shall not the least grain fall upon the ground he said else. I'll I'll sift them. How do you sift wheat and barley and corn? You sift it gently. Yeah. God handles the nation of Israel delicately. Oh, now they're not doing what I like. No, they're not doing probably what I like either. They're not going, uh, we have all our thoughts, but God said, I'll handle it. Oh, I don't understand why they put a border between England and Ireland and why they put the I don't know either but I'm not all wise <laughs> I'm not preparing the world the Lord's preparing the world and he said he would gather his people again as a nation and sure we have it again they have a nation, they have a land, they have a people, they have an army but they have no king they're waiting for Messiah coming and when Israel's fully right Messiah will come. When's that? Oh, it'll be after. Ah, We can guess as much as we like. But no man knows the timing. God knows it. When the time comes, God's Son will step out of the glories of heaven again when the nations are ripe. And God's purposes will be ripe. Let me go a little further chapter 9 verse 12 says and verse 12 and they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the heathen which are called by my name saith the lord that doeth this now the heathen that are here's the believers you and i once were heathens and now we're saved we've come to know christ as our savior and he's talking here about the ripening of the basket of fruit not only israel not only the nations of the world not only the overall plans of God will ripen but God's people will ripen God will ripen his people we've been born in sin we've been shaped in iniquity he reached down he has saved us the spirit of God has taken a hold upon us and that's the beginning of a ripening process remember what we said When Amos went to ripen the sycamore fruit, he handled it carefully and he bruised it carefully. And he picked it carefully and he placed it in the basket carefully. He did it with a delicate hand. here we have ripening of God's people. When we got saved, we were just talking today about how little we knew about the word of God. And then we started to read the Bible and we started to learn more and more. That was the ripening of knowledge, more of God's word. Experiences, day by day, we saw the hand of providence upon us. Kept us safe in times of danger and guided us and instructed us. And we were ripening spiritually, getting stronger, producing the spirit of fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, ripening. What are we ripening for? We're ripening for heaven. Now, you know about fruit as well as I do, and that fruit ripens from the inside out. The hypocrite, he shows ripeness on the outside, but the inside's rotten. Inside rotten. the inside could be hard we were in Uganda there was a man over there we didn't meet him, we would have liked to have met him but he invested great money in growing potatoes and when they gathered the potatoes they took them to make uh, boiled potatoes or fries as you call them and they found the centre of the potato was hard and it wouldn't boil, it wouldn't cook, it would do nothing it was good for nothing It's like some people's religion, friend to the outside it looks lovely whatever type of dress or suit you wear it looks nice yeah but it's only shallow inside there's a rottenness oh, inside there's a bitterness I think of the prodigal son's elder brother Boy, inside he was cross and angry and bitter, wasn't he? He was bitter. That son of yours. He didn't say he was my brother. He said, that son of yours. He spent his money with harlots in the far country. The hypocrite. Yeah. But what about the child of God? ripening for heaven. And sometimes the child of God, God puts his hand upon us and he bruises us. You know what I mean. Ripening for heaven. I got the call when I was a young minister to go down to a house there had been a death I went down in and I couldn't understand the death and I went in and I said what's the matter and they said it's the baby it's little William 12 weeks old I said can I be of any help they said you could so it finished up that I collected the father and I went to the undertaker and I collected the little coffin we put it in the car and we drove to Our Lady of Lourdes in Drachara my father carried the little coffin in little William was only 12 weeks old ripe for heaven I can see them today as plain as it was they set the little body and they screwed the lid down and we carried it back into the car for the funeral we mentioned the other day little Victoria Little girl who never spoke in her life. Little girl that never said to mommy or Daddy, I love you or I'm hungry. Twenty-one years of age, she was ripe for heaven. David Sinton, the Reverend David Sinton, him and I were good friends. We'd been through he went through Faith Mission College and so had I, and we'd been good friends, him and his wife and family. And down the road that day there was the accident young man capable through Bible school, church, preaching, just in his early thirties and ripe for heaven. And down the road one day, I passed the old people's home, there's a man in it, Mr. Cartwright, no man, must have been 90 I'm sure, and I thought coming up the road, I must call in and see the old man Cartwright. And so I did. I went in and his daughter was sitting there. She was the matron of the old people's home that he was staying in. I so, oh, Reverend, how are you? The old man sat up in bed and he was glad to see me. We were sitting chatting and then his daughter said to him, Dad, you like a wee cup of tea? He said, I would, i would take a wee cup of tea dear." so she got the cup of tea and she brought it in and she says well dad we'll set you up on the pillow a wee bit in case you spill your tea and he smiled and lifted him up and put the pillows behind him and he took the little cup and he took a little drink of the tea and he sat it over and he he <coughs> was gone heaven can you see what I'm saying some ripe and young some in middle age and some it takes a long time to ripen heaven you and I friend that are saved tonight we are ripening for heaven wonderful wonderful but what about the ungodly what about this passage that's dealing with those that were ungodly and stealing and thieving and God had been good for Israel for years and they were covering their sin, they had a Sabbath, and they had religion and they had their temple, and they had all kinds of rituals and washings and cleansing. But oh my, they, they were sinful inside. Yeah Oh, they were prosperous outside, but inside they were proud and those bitterness and those envy and those jealousy and those corruption. And the young people, like today, they're learning to sin. You say, but what do you mean, learning to sin? Yes. They're letting sin come in. They think there's a thrill to sin. They think there's an excitement to sin. Oh, my. They, they want to try something new, a new tablet, a new adventure, a new drug. Oh, you say, ah, it's them young people today. Now. Uh, but hold on a minute. What about the older folk that taught them? What about the older folk that taught them how to sin? How is it at home back in Ireland? You look at the television and you see someone on television say, see him there. And the old man in the house, the father or the mother, say, see him, I hate him, I'd love to put a bullet in him. And the son or daughter says, that's just what I'll do. I'll do what daddy said to do. I shoot 'em. The old men and the old women they spread their rottenness. They spread an evil. That old apple that's in the barrel, that's rotten, man, it soon spreads its rottenness all round it. Oh, the childhood days are green with innocence. And there's great prospects, and Satan comes in and he begins to ripen you. And he you know, sin bruises. Sin bruises mentally and physically, spiritually. Sin is a hurtful thing. Sit there in the hospital and you see the results of sin. And Here we have the sinner growing in knowledge of sin and love of sin. We see the hardness of their heart. Sadly to say we see them ripening for hell. Have you ever gone to witness to someone not saved? They just don't want to know. Go away and leave me alone. Don't talk that religious stuff to me. Right for hell. Look well on the outside. But when we come to careful examination, there's a rottenness on the inside. Yes, behold, a basket of summer fruit. God's plans ripen, friend. And God will ripen the nation as he bruises the nations and as he puts them all together and puts all the pieces together in this whole world for his son coming again. And he takes the child of God And he handles us carefully and he ripens us for heaven. There's the bruising and there's the working. You say, but why did I go through such a hard time? Because you came out a better Christian. But Lord, why did this happen? Because the Lord said, I wanted to make you sweet. (laughs) Go and ask a question. Did you ever meet a better Christian? (laughs) I think I did. I'm sure, well, I probably met at least one. <laughs> yeah. And why does sometimes God take us and put us through these things? Because we are in His hand and He's bruising us carefully. That He's ripening us for heaven. The unsee of thread ripening for hell. Oh my, I can see God coming at the end of the journey and he gathers up all his children carefully and the angels carry us home gently into heaven. And the ungodly, ripened for hell, depart from me. I never knew you. Snatched away. Perishing if you've got a bowl of fruit in the house I noticed there was fruit in the house we were in today and you go along and you say ah there's a lovely orange I'll just have that because I'm slimming <laughs> and you lift the orange on. oh look the bottom of it's rotten it looks so nice but it's rotten you lift the rubbish the garbage bin and you throw it away we do that at home but we don't expect God to do that don't we we don't expect God to cast anybody in hell the old rotten sinner rejecting God cursing God well heaven's not his home heaven's the home of those that love Christ And have Him as their Saviour. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy word tonight. We rejoice that we are in the hand of Omnipotent King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the All-Wise, All-Knowing, All-Seeing, Creator of all things, Sustainer of all things, the One who brought redemption, the One who brought salvation, the One who gives eternal life. Lord, we rejoice tonight that each of Your children are in thy hand. And, O oh God, the devil may roar and shout, but you've given to us eternal life. Bless those that are not saved tonight. Know that Thee is their Saviour. Speak to them, Lord. Speak with a voice that man cannot speak with and bring salvation, blessing, and glory. Take us our way in safety in Jesus' name. Amen.